You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back into the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use our promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your next order. Fun conversation today. Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky chatting with Zach Mahoney, the former SU quarterback. Second time we've had Zach on, and he was great. Excellent perspective on what's going on right now for Syracuse football. Someone who was a quarterback in the Dino Babers offense takes us behind the curtain, gives his thoughts on Tommy DeVito, gives his thoughts on Rex Culpepper. So an excellent chat coming your way. Before we get to that, just want to remind you guys to follow us on social media. Our Twitter account is at LO underscore Syracuse. Please feel free to give us a follow, rate five stars, get the word out there about the podcast, but we will get into our conversation, a very good one with Zach Mahoney right now. All right, we bring in Zach Mahoney now, again on the Locked on Syracuse podcast, The Officer. Zach, thanks for taking some time. By the way, do you like that nickname, The Officer? Uh, yeah, I don't mind. I think it's funny. I've seen uh, the first Police Academy, so it's uh, it's a funny movie, so I don't mind it at all. I don't think for you have many- a choice at this point. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Sticking with you. We had you on last time, and for those that missed that conversation, you can go back and check it out. It's a lot of fun. We broke down your whole Syracuse career. Now we have you on a little bit to talk about what it's like being a quarterback in this Syracuse offense. And on the heels of the first two games where there has been what some people are calling a quarterback controversy, and there has been some struggles on offense for sure. But just watching these first two games, what have been your takeaways from the first two weeks? It's it's unfortunate the way that the games have gone. Um, and, you know, as an offensive guy, I feel extremely terrible for the defense because the defense, when they were playing uh, North Carolina, played exceptionally well. They got they gave Syracuse a lot of opportunities, and it was just unfortunate that Syracuse couldn't capitalize on a lot. I know they had that punt return too that was called back for a penalty. So I mean, it's it's just something that needs to be figured out because in that system if the offense isn't working, then it's it's extremely scary. And if you can get a good defense to go along with a working offense, then it's just you can't really stop it. But you need the offense to get work to get working first because, you know, if you play fast and it's always a quick three and out, your defense is gonna be on the field for the entire game. And, you know, that's why it took until the fourth quarter for North Carolina to really start moving. I mean, it really had a lot to do with the offense not being able to consistently push the ball down the field. Zach, you and I are both Bears fans. You broke my heart the last time you came on here when you had your you revealed your conversation with Deshaun Watson and how you he wanted to potentially be a Chicago Bear in that draft instead of Mitchell Trubisky. But between you and me, I mean. Do you feel like you watch the Bears twice a weekend? You watch them on Saturday when you watch Syracuse football, and then you watch them on Sunday when you watch the actual Chicago Bears because it's stagnant offense, and then it's a fantastic defense, pretty good special teams and all that stuff. Is that what you're seeing too out of the Syracuse team? It's it's just different. You know, even when, uh, even when I was there uh, playing in that offense, there were times where 
maybe we'd get out to a slow start, but we could pick it up at least for a full quarter or even a half. I mean, the majority of the times it was one half football, which was unfortunate for us. But, I mean, putting up 16 total points in the first two games is just it's inexcusable. And I think all the coaches will say that because, you know, in that offense, they expect you to put up 40. And for you to, uh, you know, to have one or 16 points in two games, that's just not going to get it done. I mean, they've had one touchdown in two games. That's that's not a good look for that offense. Yeah, you were there for both Schaefer and Dino Babers. Kind of the tail end of your career was the start of Dino Babers' career. And it's kind of weird because in the Schaefer era, it, this would, would have been the formula, right? To have the defense be the main focal point and then the offense just score a little bit, obviously score more than just 16 points in two weeks. But I never would have imagined this from the Dino offense. Why do you think they've been struggling so much in these first two games? Uh, you know, I think it's a mixture of a lot of different things. Um, you know, the, the people that are sitting out, you know, hopefully they're healthy and their families are staying healthy. Um, but I think having the experience of the guys that aren't playing and, you know, having to play a lot younger people is, is one factor. Um, you know, Taj Harris has definitely shown that he has the capability of being a number one receiver. He's just got to keep elevating himself because in this offense, you really do have that number one threat and you, and you kind of just work around the other receivers with him. So he's just got to make sure that he keeps winning his one-on-ones and, um, you know, has that Syracuse has that one receiver that can make a play when it's needed, but it needs to be more consistent. Um, you know, the offensive line is obviously a little uh, mesh. They're still trying to mesh together. They they were put together late in the in camp, and so they're still trying to figure some things out. And then, you know, just the quarterback play, the the pers- the fact that they're not being able to move the ball and the completion percentage is, I mean, very less than ideal. Um, Even just on normal downs, it's not something that is going to win you games, especially if you're not completing them on third down. When a lot of people watch this team, they either, they like to point fingers at one of two things. It's either the quarterback or it's the offensive line. Where do you fall? If you had to finger point right here, what is the reason why this offense has been so stagnant? Is it the decision-making and accuracy of the quarterback or is it the shaky play of the offensive line? I th- again, I think it's a lot of different things. I think, you know, the quarterback play has, has not been stellar. I mean, you look at Tommy's first stats, he was 13 of 31 for 112 yards against North Carolina. And then, you know, playing a pit team that, Normally, Syracuse can move the ball against, and he had 32 yards passing. Uh, I mean, that's just – that's not going to get it done, and Tommy knows that, and he obviously has to play better. Um, And the O-line has to play better as well. I think a lot of people will say, oh, well, the O-line isn't – you know, the O-line isn't doing well because look at how many sacks, but there's just as many sacks as – um, because of the quarterback play as there is because of a uh, O-line not communicating the best. So there, there's a lot that they need to fix on the offensive side of the ball, and I just hope that they can do it sooner rather than later. 
Yeah, me too. So you've been a quarterback in Dino Baber's system, and obviously you've been through the practices and everything, and you've got a lot of insight on this. How would you compare just being a quarterback in Dino's system to being a quarterback in Schaefer's system or being a quarterback in other systems that you played in in high school? What is asked of the quarterback in Dino's system that might be different than other systems? Well, I've been fortunate enough, if you want to call it like that, to have in my five years at college, I had four different offensive coordinators, but four different playbooks. And the quarterback position will never change. It's always you got to know who's on the field, what every uh, position um, supposed to do on every single play. That's just stuff you have to know. If you don't know it, you're really going to struggle. And then, you know, to take the next step, it's to figure out what the defense is looking for. And in this offense, um, you know, a lot of things change of route concepts post coverage. So if you're not on the same page as your receivers, it can be an extremely long day. Okay, quick break from Zach to remind you guys about our favorite protein bar on the market. It is Built Bar, of course. They're back in better than ever. Six new flavors for them, including Caramel Brownie, which is a personal favorite of mine. They're now up to 18 amazing flavors in nut and non-nut flavors from Built Bar. This is literally a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's delicious. It's like getting a dessert after a workout, but somehow it even adds to the workout and makes you feel even better about yourself. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. Great flavoring. They come up with all these great flavors. They got raspberry, German chocolate, banana bread. Some of these flavors, I don't even know why they did it, but then you eat it and it is delicious. I promise you and it's also healthy on top of that. Great for the health-conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. So I don't know what you're waiting for. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use our promo code. That's locked on. Again, locked on. It can be with a space, without a space, however you want to do it, and that will get you $10 off your next order, your next box at BuiltBar.com. I think a lot of people, when they watched the Syracuse team over these last couple of years, especially since Dino came in, they kind of felt like, okay, this quarterback position in this offense, it's almost like a plug-and-play thing. I mean, Eric was phenomenal, of course. You had a great career, and it's not like you came in as a projected QB1, QB2 type when you joined the Orange. And then Tommy, when he came in in a backup role, he was phenomenal in those spot appearances as well. Is this system a plug-and-play QB system, or is there more complex things to it, and maybe we should be giving Tommy a little more benefit of the doubt right now? I don't think, uh, you know, I've, I I don't really buy the whole plug-and-play system because in order for you to plug-and-play, you need to get the, you need to recruit the talent that can fit in there, and you need to be able to coach that talent to your level. Um you know, Eric obviously was one of the best ACC quarterbacks of this decade with the numbers that he put up, um, and he had a great career there. But he had a different drive than, you know, I'm seeing with Tommy. When stuff breaks down, that's when you kind of see those bad sacks that take place. And, um, you know, that's when Eric kind of thrived a lot. He was able to make a boatload of his plays and throughout his career when stuff broke down and he was able to do stuff. And that's kind of lacking right now, especially when you have a guy who is projected as a fullback now at one of your guards. And I'm not saying 
Rhino is doing bad at all, but right. it's not easy for him, and it's not. And you just got to be able to to help him out and not give up easy sacks and and do that. And I think one of the ways that they can try to fix that is, you know, if you're not going to get two and a half seconds for a pass, you're going to have to shorten the pass game up, put in uh, new concepts of short game, and be able to make. Uh, make Tommy feel or Rex or whoever's back there feel comfortable because yeah, this offense does want to push it downfield. But if, if you're not going to get the time and you're not going to have the guys back there that know what to do with it, you gotta, you gotta truly, truly think about what you're calling on offense. So you overlapped with DeVito for a year, right? Yep. What did you make of him when you met him for the first time and you got to see his arm, albeit as what was his red shirt freshman year in the end, but did you see the talent there and what did you make of him just playing with him in practice and everything? Yeah, I think, I think everyone can see that Tommy's got an arm and that's probably the, the thing that a lot of, scouts look at these days is just arm talent but there's so much more that goes into it and you know Tommy and I could speak football to each other so it it wasn't that but you know when you just see him in a game and and people start hitting each other you know people just react different and it's uh you know I think after all these games that he's been in that's the kind of the proof is kind of in the pudding and you kind of just see how he reacts when you know things don't go his way and and it's unfortunate because, again, he he's got a he does have a great arm um, that has a lot of talent, but you know there's a lot of other things that he needs to fix right now if he wants to lead this offense. So you've been in a room with Rex, you've been in the room with Tommy. If you're Coach Geno Babers, based on what you've seen so far and, and your interactions that you've had with them in the past, who is the starting quarterback for the Syracuse team for the remainder of the season? I think it's tough to say for the remainder of the season, but I think going into it, it's it's hard not to look at Rex. I mean, he came in and he threw the only touchdown they have on the season. You could see that the the spirits by the team was lifted, and you know, it's he he just brings a different element, especially when it comes to being able to run the ball as a quarterback. Um, but they just. You know, the biggest thing that I think for the coaches is that you can call the same game plan that you would for Tommy as you would for Rex, but you can also add stuff. It seems like they try to change an entire playbook when one or the other's in. And you kind of saw that when Eric played North Carolina, when Dungey was playing North Carolina and Tommy came in. I mean, they weren't really taking shots with Eric when until Tommy came in. And then once Tommy was in, they were just chucking it, but and that and they ended up winning that game because of it. But if you're an offensive play coach or play caller, you got to be just sticking with your game plan. And if that game plan doesn't work, you got to have a backup plan. And right now, it doesn't look like the backup plan's in. But I mean, it's really hard to to try to say that you can't go with the person who gives your team the best momentum or the best energy. Let's phrase it a different way, because I know you mentioned that that's kind of a hard thing to answer, and I, I agree with you on that. So let's say Georgia Tech on Saturday. Who do you want to see come out of the huddle first, and who do you want Syracuse to put out there as a the starting quarterback? 
again, I think you got to go with the guy who gave you the most momentum in a, in a game. I, I mean, again, if you look at the stats that Tommy has, the majority of coaches probably would sit him. Or yeah. I wouldn't say sit him, but wouldn't start him. Right. Um, but again, this is this is Coach Baber's guy. This is the the biggest recruit since Chandler Jones. This is you know supposed to be the guy who turns Syracuse football around. I I know a lot of people had a lot of hopes, but there's you know you can only do so much with what you have, and and right now you know or you can only do so much with the politics and. Sometimes you just, you honestly just got to throw the politics away and play the person that's going to give your team the best opportunity. And when you look at the stats and you look at the team, when certain people are in, Rex gives you that chance. It's interesting that you brought up the fact that with Rex Culpepper, it felt like he really uplifted the team with his presence out there on the field. Does it feel like, and Tim and I have kind of pointed this out in the past too, but does it feel like there are maybe some chemistry issues with Tommy and some of the receivers? I mean, it feels like a lot of times we see Taj Harris will finish running a route and his hands go up in the air in frustration. Is it? Do you see the chemistry issues that we're seeing too? Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, with this offense, it's it's not as simple as a lot of people might see it. I mean, you can call one play, but it can be run seven different ways. So, again, if you're not on the same page with your receivers, it's going to be a really long day or even season. And, unfortunately, that's what it looks like it's leaning towards right now. Um, I mean, the chemistry that you need with your receivers, especially your number one guy, is it's got to be – you know, that twin telepathy that you know where they're going to be every single time. And if you if you can trust that, there's not a defense that can really – that should be able to stop it as long as everyone else can play up to that level. But it, it definitely is something that, you know, a lot of people are just – again, if there's – and I'm not there, so I can't say, but if – I mean, if people are just starting to – get a little bit of an ego because they got blue check marks by their name or whatever the case may be. I mean, at the end of the day, they got to play football and, you know, it's, they got a lot of things to, to figure out. As a quarterback, I know, I don't know if you saw, but Baber said that Rex will have some packages going forward. Tommy's the starter right now, and he's just going to see and play the best guy going forward. But do you like the idea of them playing two quarterbacks in the same game or rotating Rex in for a drive here and then going back to Tommy? Have you ever been involved in anything like that as a quarterback? And what does that do to a quarterback's mindset? I haven't been involved in that. Um, to that degree where there's one for sure starter um, and then someone else is going to have packages. Um, I did have a couple of packages when Eric got hurt the first time and, you know, I was battling it out with Austin. You know, we were kind of going back and forth to try to see who could become the starter. So I've never been in that mindset. But and, And I am a big believer that you should just have one quarterback um, because I think if you keep going back and forth, if those guys don't mesh well, it, it'll show. But if they can mesh well and they, and they can play well together and they can understand why you're doing it, 
and they, you know, as Coach Babers would say, you drop the E and go, then I think it has a chance. But there, there's a lot of things other than just, you know, the quarterback play um, that they need to figure out. But, yeah, I think, uh, you know, being able to say that Rex is going to get some packages is going to, is going to allow defenses to now have to change their mindset um, for what they're going to call, and hopefully they can take advantage of that on offense. You said one play can be run like seven different ways in this offense. I want to unpack that a little bit. Do you mean – like give me an example of, of a play in that offense and what the quarterback is thinking, and is that like sometimes the case in some of the plays where we see – DeVito throws long and Taj stops his route short or another receiver stops his route short. Do you think that could be an example of just miscommunication? Yeah, a hundred percent. So in this offense, you know, depending on what certain players on defense do will dictate what route is run by a receiver. So if you call it just one of the, the basic plays, you know, each receiver probably has two to three routes off of what the defense can do and again if you're not on the same page you don't have that chemistry you're going to see balls that are all over the place they're not accurate they're not where they need to be the timing's off so there's going to be more mental mistakes and physical and it's it's not only on the quarterback to make sure that they're putting in the right spot but it's also got to be on the receivers to make sure that they're getting to the right depth that they're hitting their landmarks, that they're reading the same stuff as a quarterback. And they just, again, got to be on the same page. With these offensive struggles, how much of this would you put on the fact that there was no real true offseason, a very limited time? They're working in these weird pods for a good amount of the time. So how much would you pin on that? And I know they're not going to go out and make these sort of excuses, but from you as an outsider, how important do you think those months and the spring practices kind of being removed from the equation is hurting this team right now? You know, it's interesting to put it like that because you look at the guys that are playing, a lot of them have time. A lot of them have been on the field already. They should, uh, you know, they really should have a good understanding of how the system works in a game and how, um, you know, other teams operate against it. And for, you know, like, I think this is what Tommy's fourth year now in the system. It's, you, you don't really see quarterbacks in this system with his stats. I mean, frankly, it's just, that's, I don't think I, you can go back and look at all of Coach Baber's quarterbacks. I'd be very shocked if you saw a starter who didn't have over 250 yards a game or close to it. I mean, what was it, last game? I know he was out for a little bit and Rex came in, but 32 yards passing for a guy who's been in the system for four years. Again, there's a lot of different variables that can play into that. But, I mean, he a guy who's like that has to be a leader and has to be accountable for his actions, and he's got to make sure that he's doing everything that he needs to do so everyone else around him you know, can feed off that. Do you feel like there's a little bit of a lack of drive when Tommy DeVito? I mean, you think about some of the guys that have gone through that program. Eric Dungy, he was a grinder. You obviously rose your way way through the depth charts. And then you look at a guy like Rex. He's overcome one of the the toughest things a human can go through. Do you just not see that drive in a guy like Tommy? 
you know, everyone's just built different. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of the guys that, that I know were, that had the biggest grind didn't have the accolades that Tommy did. And I think, especially nowadays, these young kids are, you know, getting verified or they're getting put on a national spotlight at, you know, 14, 15 years old. And there's a lot of hype that comes with that. And all of a sudden now you get put onto a real stage. And I mean, a power five conference is very different than any other thing um, that any high school player would have ever played in. I don't care what state, I don't care what conference you were in in high school. When you get to college, everything's different. And, you know, there's there's definitely things that you can hopefully see in your scouting process when you're recruiting these guys. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's you just got to try to find guys that don't really care what people say. You just go out and play. And if you see guys that, you know, take it too much to heart or guys that care more about other things than just football, then, you know, that you got to be wary of that as a coach. Okay, unfortunately, we got to pause Zach right there, but we will pick it up tomorrow. And this combo gets even better. You're going to want to stick around for that podcast dropping Thursday, wherever you get your podcast. Zach continues to dive into what the problems are for Syracuse, gives some more thoughts on Tommy DeVito, maybe why he's not getting the job done. And we do talk some positives with him as well, get into the defense a little bit in the back half of the show. So be on the lookout for that tomorrow. For Tyler, I'm Tim, and we'll talk to you guys then. Oh,